What's up, everybody? Welcome to the best podcast in the world. Welcome to the Strength and Skills podcast. This is your host, Nick Tibuzek, and with me is today the coach and athlete, the street lifting legend, Rami Basic. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ha, it's great that, you, that you're here. Thanks, thanks for being with us. All right. Um, today's topic uh, is going to be a little bit interesting for everybody who's a little bit more into street lifting. As uh, Radu is a um, um, street lifting athlete himself, uh, we both don't like the term of street lifting. We always uh, say weighted calisthenics, but in the end, I think everybody knows what's up. All right. Um, the topic that we are talking about is kind of advanced programming. And... Um, We're going to discuss a little bit what are the differences into uh, usual uh, beginner programming in that kind of sport and uh, what, are, what are the things that you have to consider when once you are a little bit more out of the beginner zone and what actually, when does the point come when you're no beginner anymore? And I think that's a very important one to start off with that one because Actually, when are you a beginner? When are you not? What would you say, Lado? Well, I would definitely say that if you are a beginner, you can expect to see progression from session to session and definitely from week to week. And then over time, as you get more advanced, uh, you can definitely expect to have that progression slow down. And then you have to tackle more advanced techniques of programming in order to uh, fight with that and to ensure that progression is still occurring. So um, as you get more advanced, you will have to expect that progression won't be visible, uh, not even week to week, but maybe even just month to month and over the course of several months. So as long as you have that progression, then you're definitely good to go. So I would say that the speed of progression that occurs is definitely one of the factors that determines whether you are a beginner or not. Absolutely. I'm so, I'm so, that, that, I think that's, that's one of the best explanations I've ever heard about that term. Because <laughs> people always want to hear, yeah, when I hit that number, I'm going to be advanced. But you can't say that because what, what would be the number? A 200 kg squat is advanced or is it already a 100 kg squat? Or yeah. do, I, do I have to dip 100 to be advanced? I can't tell you because it, it, it really depends on how your body reacts to the shit that we are doing in the end. That's, that, that's a very good explanation. Um, thank you for that. Um, what would you say, um, looking at, at your past, I think, one and a half years now, where you uh, specialize more into this street lifting weighted calisthenics thing, um, are you still... In the beginner mode, or when when did the trans transformation into the advanced thing um, happen? Oh, well, that's pretty interesting because um, when I got into proper programming, it almost seemed as if I was back into that beginner mode just because I started to train properly and then gains were occurring on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Then over time, as I was hitting higher numbers, As I did the progression, slow down, and 
gap. Uh, probably six, six months into uh, proper training, I started to see um, that it is slowing down and that we definitely need to tackle it um, in a more of an advanced, uh, with more advanced techniques. So, um, yeah, then from there on, uh, we definitely delve deeper into the topic of programming. From, from my experience, um, I always see that it is not the same for every lift. So, um, especially in, in your case, when we looked at the, the upper body, it was a little bit more difficult to progress in the upper than in the lower. So for you, it was very kind of, yeah, we can, I think we can say it so. Um, it was pretty easy to hit very large numbers in deadlifts and squats. Um, so from, from what I see right now, we're still in the beginner mode when, when it comes to the, to the uh, lower body because we are not doing very advanced um, programming and periodization techniques on, on the lower body. Absolutely, and that's exactly what you said, that you can't have this uh, specific number or specific uh, percentage that um, says now you're not a beginner anymore, now you're an intermediate or an advanced. Uh, it depends on so many factors like genetics, how you train, what is your environment, and everything else that also has to be taken into account. And yeah, just as you said, my upper body definitely needs more advanced programming and the lower body just responds to everything. And that's just due to yeah, genetic dispositions. And the interesting factor about it is um, compared to the international level of uh, numbers, your upper body numbers are not extremely high or something. And the interesting part here is that we definitely need um, a little bit more advanced stuff right here. But when we look at, at the lower body numbers, those are higher than the usual uh, stats from, from other people. So it may be it just is a, you're just better in a lower body, some people would say. But um, actually, from, from my opinion, you're just having a normal progression because the, the thing that we have to consider right here is most people in our sport really lack lower body strength, absolutely. And um, I've got to say, over all the, all the weight classes, when you're over 73 and you don't squat 200, you should definitely put in more lower body work because it can't be, and that's, that's a hard one to say, but it can't be that you dip more than 100, but you don't squat more than 200 at that point. That's, that's, it shows clearly where your weakness is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as a person who, who is not strong at all, but that's what I see from the comparison that you should have there. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That's something we definitely have to bring in here. Um, what is a very, very important one right here? What are the difference in between this kind of beginner programming where everything comes linear and you just put on more weight and uh, a harder progression every week into a little bit more advanced programming. I think 
one of the most important things is what are the differences you have right now in your volume than you had in the beginning? Is there a big difference? Um, well, the more advanced you get, the, you definitely want to accept the notion that less can be more. So uh, because you move higher weights, you generally create a lot more fatigue, which you then have to take account because if you don't recover from it, you won't be able to progress. So um, more advanced people need to consider that. And sometimes for more advanced people, less volume can do more work. So right now for the lower body, I had much, much more, much, much more volume before than what I have now. And I've never had less leg volume than what I have now, and the legs are still progressing like crazy. So that's for the lower body work. For the upper body, it has to be said that it responds pretty well to higher amounts of volume uh, because you simply don't move the same amount of weights as you do with the lower body. And thus, you don't create so much fatigue, so you can definitely tackle it a bit more. Exactly. And this is something I uh, really experienced with a lot of athletes. And um, I didn't only do, do, do this kind of, of volume playing around with only with you. I did that with, with a lot of, of athletes. And I saw pretty much that there is something like, like a, like, 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 yeah, how can I say that? Um, a lot of people are reacting like that. So um, the, the heavier the lower body work gets, the more you have to bring um, in less volume because the intensities are going a lot higher. And this is actually when, when you look at the total amount of weight that you moved, I think that's, that's the um, a more interesting part of all of it as when, when you look at it, um, once, once you start squatting in the direction of 200 kg or something, let, let it be a set, one set of five reps with 200. Um, that would be a ton that you moved on weight in one set. And I think that that's a very important one to consider as um, the total amount of weight comes in there. Um, let it be three sets of it and it would be three tons that you moved to get that amount of weight moved by your legs. When you just squat 150, you would have to do a lot more sets and that's the difference. So when we look at that point, um, that that's a very, very important one to consider this one because the, the higher the intensities, the bigger the effect on the central nervous system. And everybody always talks about, yeah, Uh, central nervous system, I'm going to get fatigued and all that stuff. And the comparison that we have to take here is the central nervous system is much more involved into every exercise where the spine is under load. So the thing that we always have to keep in mind is we can definitely bring in more volume on the upper body usually, except when it's some stuff like OHP, because in the OHP, you also press a barbell overhead and that's load on the spine. And there's a big difference on, on um, an OHP and an handstand push-up because in the handstand push-up, you don't have really load on the spine. 
So this central nervous system doesn't get that much fatigued. And that's something a lot of people seem to forget when it comes to that stuff. Um, and that's a big difference in advanced and beginner programming because the more load you have on your spine, especially when it comes to the more load in one set, the more you have to consider that you will get more fatigued in that, in that, in that case. And um, that's a very, very important one when it comes to that stuff. So in that case, you got less volume, which means usually for you, less of assistance exercises. So we get more into specification. Exactly. So, um, and that's also one of the main points. You want to train specifically, you want to train <clears throat> the specific competition lifts and intensities that are specific to the competition. So you can't expect to do sets of 50 on the pull-ups and for example, have expected Havoc heavy over and it to help you on the one rep max and weighted chin up. That could work, but certainly isn't the best way to do the progression, especially if you are more advanced. So you want to train really specific to the competition. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's, here comes a little um, thing into that that you also have to consider right there. Um, when you do more reps, on the upper body. This is not, it's, it's not like this is a bad thing, but it depends on where you do that in the year. So there are times where you have to bring in higher amounts of reps to increase the workload that you are capable of. And that's a very important one because when you are into intensity stuff, you will come to the point when you do like heavy, heavy triples on chin-ups and you're a normal person that maybe let it be 60 or 70 kg in the chin-up, that would be like, let it be 70 and that, that, that would be like um, 201 kg in one set in the total amount of weight that you moved yeah, plus your body weight. But when you um, have sets like uh, of 10 to 15 or something, which is usually a little bit more, let's call it cardio. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, the thing that you have to consider here is, um, of course, you move your body weight and let it be, you, you are a person that weighs like 80 kg. And um, you have to, to uh, check out, okay, what's the total amount? of weight that I moved in, in, in that, in that um, set or overall compared to the intensity. And that's the thing where we have to take a look at what is in the end, the total amount of weight that I moved in my session, in my set and all that stuff and keep that in mind and work on that because you will need the time where you, um, just do more reps to push this bigger number because you do less of intensity. You do um, more of assistance work, but you may push the total amount of weight that you moved in that one session or in that one week 
which is um, very often called a microcycle. So um, when you when you when you push that amount of weight that you have there, this will be the um, important carryover that you're gonna have in the intensity phase, um, where you later on will be able to push in the intensity phase more into the direction that you um, move more of the total amount of weight. And that's the, the little way, way it pushes each other. Because when you are in the intensity phase, you try to get into the total amount of weight that you are able to move with the less sets possible. And that's in the end what you, what you do all the time more volume to increase the total amount, switching into more intensity where you decrease the volume and want to push more into the, um, in the, into the intensity phase where you just uh, try to use as less sets as possible. In, in the end, that's the big art of the periodization that plays such a big role once you are a little bit more advanced, because in the beginning, as a beginner, as Rado already said, everything works and you will just linear progress. Ooh. <laughs> I hope everybody got that. <laughs> um, look, looking at, at, at your own training, um, how much more is the recovery for you right now? Um, how, how much more important is it? The, it's really important right now because if I don't go in a session properly recovered, I can't expect to move higher loads. So I definitely need to take into account the recovery. And this is done by finding the sweet spot for the volume, um, which I think is awesome if, if you have a coach. And then the coach just does that for you because he can objectively gauge on what you respond really well. And once you find that, you can um, yeah, just simply do a progression throughout a mesocycle. And um, when you dose the volume properly, recovering from session to session shouldn't be too much of an issue if your sleep and nutrition is on point. So yeah. But yeah, uh, recovery is most certainly much more important than what it was before. Absolutely. When when you when you look at, at your own recovery, um, how important is it to be completely fresh? Uh, yeah, you can't expect to be completely fresh every session, especially if you are training in higher intensities. Uh, because fatigue can stay for pretty long in your body. And for example, uh, it's something that we already talked about. Uh, if you do a set of, if you do squats on a certain day and on the following day you are doing muscle ups, uh, even though it may seem that those two movements are in no way connected, uh, these squats definitely will have an effect on the muscle up. And this is not only lower body to upper body, it's also upper body to upper body, lower body to lower body. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, you want to uh, be aware that different exercises can have an effect on each other. 100%.
Um, when, when we look at that, um, your classic recovery routine, uh, everybody always talks about recovery. And what do you think, what, is the, what, what are the most important things when it comes to that topic, um, especially once you are out of the, the beginner state and more into an advanced um, state? Would you say it's important to have enough days of rest or what would you say, is it more important to really balance um, the training that you are doing? Are, are you killing yourself in every session? No. Absolutely not. So, um, just as I said, just as you said, the balance is definitely the most important thing. So you want to balance out. Definitely, you want to train hard still, but not to the point where you destroy yourself because because of that fatigue, you will have to deload really soon. So you want to find a sweet spot. So first thing would be proper volume dosing. You want to dose the volume properly and good amounts. So not too much, but also not too less. Yeah. And uh, together with that, you want to have enough rest days in order for you to actually be fresh to a certain point where you still can perform, that you're not underperforming, uh, but you want, don't want to rest too much up to the point where you actually can risk that because of resting too much, you actually lose some of that performance. Absolutely. Um When, when you look at your, your own training, are you, are you training more or less now that you are a little bit more advanced? I actually train less. So I was training, used to train six days a week before. Right now I'm training just four days a week and that works really well. So yeah, we are hitting a good frequency. We are managing a good amount of volume in that time and I have plenty of rest days. So that works really, really well. What do you do actually on your rest days? Is there something that you just lay on the couch and don't do anything or is it, are well, there special tactics? Do you have a magic pill on recovery? <laughs> well, it's sad to say that there is no magic pill to recovery. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you definitely want to have your nutrition and sleep on point. Uh, that's the first thing when it comes to recovery. Uh, you, I mean, if you expect to have good recovery with stuff like mobility work and expect that to boost your recovery, that probably won't work too well. I mean, mobility work can be useful, uh, but nutritional sleep um, first on the, on the first place. And then stuff like, I mean, you can definitely experiment with that and see what works for you. So maybe mobility, maybe going for walks, Contrast showers, something that I do, but all of that is secondary to nutrition and sleep. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm so with you. <laughs> <laughs> When we look a little bit more into this, yeah, we are talking mostly about weighted calisthenics and streetlifting. So, um, what would you say? How much we already had that a little bit, but how much? Um, how big is the effect of squats? into your programming as, um, as, as the uh, central nervous system is involved so much more into, into the squats. Um, would you say in the beginning, the, the squats were a big factor or is, it, is the factor now a lot bigger? Uh, well, 
before in the past, I didn't really view it. Uh, so I was just like, all right, I have muscle ups, that's perfect, no issue. But right now, when I have squats before muscle up and the day before muscle ups, I definitely consider that. And this is something we already talked about the, the direction the strengthening is, is uh, developing into. Right now, you're seeing more and more people uh, pulling and pushing higher weights with the upper body and moving higher weights with the lower body. And that's an area that isn't discovered so much. Yes. That's pretty unknown to um, most of us. And we need to develop proper programming strategies for that because you need special tactics to tackle that as you definitely don't want to underestimate the effect the lower body has on the upper body. Uh, it's immense. So not only in the sense of creating fatigue, but also that huge amount of weight that you build on your legs is definitely affecting the performance of the upper body lifts. Mm -hmm. I would say um, a lot of people are always like, yeah, but I don't want to build my legs because I don't want my upper body to suffer from that. Would, would you agree with that statement? No, no, I absolutely um, am confident to say that you can progress at the same time, both with the upper and the lower body, and that you can move big loads with both. So, yeah, there's no need to avoid leg work because you're afraid to, for it to actually deter your performance in the upper body. It is possible to progress simultaneously in both. What would you say what is the most important factor to, to be able to do both? Well, you certainly want to find sweet spots, both for the upper and the lower body, in terms of volume. Mm -hmm. You need to dose the volume properly, and you need to find what works for you, because, of course, everybody is an individual and responds differently to different stimuli. And just as you said, uh, for most people, more volume in the upper body and less volume in the lower body tends to work really well. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, in the end, the magic pill on that is having a proper prioritization and programming. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, what do you say? Did you, did you experience um, effects of the upper body on each other when you um, look at the past? and look at where you are right now, um, what, what exercises did have an um, effect on each other and what didn't? Yeah, in the past, uh, I was really confident in doing uh, full upper body sessions. That was no issue. Uh, but right now, in the previous block, um, Nick and I decided to, to go into an upper and lower split. And during that mesocycle, uh, while I was ramping up throughout the weeks, I started to notice the effect because I was doing muscle ups and then dips on the upper body day. I noticed the effect the muscle ups have my dips in a bad way. So they definitely deterred my performance there. And then I noticed uh, it doesn't make too much sense for me to do an upper lower split anymore because I, yeah, dips are my weakness and I don't want my performance to be, uh, deterred in there. So yeah, we decided that I wish to go for a pull push split back to it. Uh, so the effect upper body lifts have on each other is also <laughs> increasing as you get more advanced, that's for sure. Yeah. I think that that was an interesting um, 
experience that we made right here because uh, we were doing a push-pull or pull-push split, however, um, for nearly a year now. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it always worked amazing. We have to say that. And yeah. we were just after the competition, we said, okay, we want to we wanna try out and uh, switch up some things just to, to get your head out of this. I'm always doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. And of course, for, for, I think for that mental recovery at that point, it was very important to do so. Um, but looking, looking into how, how the effects were on, on the terms of strength and all that, that was a shitty decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was crazy. And um, the experience of that muscle-ups do affect the dips is not only made by you, as I have the same experience for myself. And I experienced that with um, not every athlete, but a lot of athletes as um, I think what is the most important part right here, when you do your muscle up and you have that transition, that's the point where um, the shoulder girdle and especially the rotator cuff plays a, such a bigger role as they have to stabilize um, such an amount of weight in such a, in such a click moment. When you switch from the pulling into the, into the pushing movement, um, and that, that fatigues the whole area so much that you just suffer from that when you do your um, dips. And that, that's just my um, experience on that. And of course, here, here plays a role. The stronger your shoulder is, the better you are in the upper body lifts, of course. And the, the more amount of weight you definitely can use. Because that's always the weak point. But um, what, what I saw here was exactly what, what I experienced in my last um, peaking. Because I was, I was talking to my own coach about exactly the topic and said, hey, I just can't take the muscle-ups before dips because my dips suffer so much from that. And so we switched it up in the last block of the peaking. And here we get, went again, and I was able to dip a little bit heavier then. <laughs> it's, it's exactly that thing. So um, we have to, to keep in mind that um, upper body uh, exercises can definitely uh, play a big role into uh, the performance of each other. Um, would you say there's a big um, yeah, effect of the muscle-ups into your pulling exercises? Uh, well, not so much, actually, uh, because, yeah, right now and in the last year, uh, most of my pulling workouts were muscle-ups and then pulls, and that worked pretty well. But I think that's also um, the way I put it in my head. I like to think of the muscle-up as more on the skill side and kind of like a warm-up and ramping up for heavier pulling work, so for heavier pulls or chins, so... I didn't really see that muscle up negatively affected my pulling work so much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. That, that, that's that's a very interesting one because a lot of people always think, yeah, when you do heavy muscle ups, you can't do uh, heavy pulling. And for for me myself, I, I experienced 
that it depends on the level of overall fatigue that I have during the block. The later I'm in the block, the more fatigued my whole body is, the more was, uh, the, the bigger was the effect of, of my, my, my muscle ups into my, my other pulling work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had the same experience uh, later in the block when you're so fatigued, especially in the upper body. All those little muscles, when they fatigue, and when the shoulder girdle doesn't feel uh, 100%, and then when you do muscle-ups, uh, which engage the shoulder girdle at yeah, different angles, different ranges, then you go to chin-ups, definitely has an effect. Uh, but yeah, um, I didn't find it hard to progress with both at the same time. Um, but that's mostly at the start of the block, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Later on, later on, you feel the effect much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a that's a very important one. Once you are at the start of the, of the walk, things are very different to where it comes later. And mm -hmm. the very interesting part right here is you're gonna experience much more about that topic in maybe the next two or three years, as we are right now, we're pioneers right now as we we gonna gonna see where we're gonna take this and how we're gonna tackle problems in that area and I, I love to see that that's that's actually one of the reasons why we do this podcast right now as um i want you as as a listener um to to be in in yeah in the progress yeah i want i want you to to be able to um make make your thoughts about it and uh think of it in, in, a, in a way that we are right now all together on the path where we do the research. And that's going to be very, very interesting. So keep on listening and, um, and also please keep on, keep on making notes for yourself about your own training. What do you um, actually experience in that area? And if you like to, you can definitely... Um, Give us some 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 feedback on that. What is what is your experience about that topic? Wherever you are, doesn't matter if you're a beginner or much more advanced. Um, just bring in the 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 most important information as we love to share that in that podcast, so the whole community can profit from that. Um, another very important one right here is um, something that we discovered through. It's not like we discovered it, but um, it was. It played such a bigger role after after a while. How much did you consider your body weight into your estimated one AMs when you were in your training session? Yeah, that's something that we brought up uh, recently, so a few months ago, I think. I didn't really uh, consider my body weight previously. So before that, I was always like, because I was weighing the same, I was thinking that it doesn't make too much sense for me to actually consider it. But then as the body weight started to change, I definitely started to notice the effect it has, especially on my pulling work. So I thought that it would definitely be a good idea to also uh, bring that in. So um, the more advanced you get, the more you want to take body weight fluctuations into consideration because every bit of body weight change can have an effect on your performance. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 
right now we are using the estimated one rep maxes and you want to bring in your body weight into the calculation because it can be very different on certain days. And if you weigh like one kg more, just one kg more, you will definitely feel it on your muscle ups where every bit of weight is important. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to the pull work. And I think yeah. that that's a very important one because everybody always thinks of, yeah, I have to put on more weight every week yeah. on, on my belt. But actually, when you, when you look at the progress, it may be that you just have this one, one kg point two five every week that you put on. But maybe you are in a, in, a, in, a, in a phase where you just eat more calories right now and you gain weight. You have to consider that you just get a little bit more heavy. Or maybe you just had a meal that led to, to have you more water in the body and you're just heavier today. And you have to consider that into, into this as there's a big difference. Sometimes you, I, I, sometimes I'm, I'm just from a, one day to another, I have just like two kg more just because of more water. Hold my body, my body's working, holding more water or something. It, this is something, um, especially when I did heavy sports the other day before, usually I don't train on the next day. Because I always feel um, it, it, I'm, I'm much more fatigued, so my performance will suffer. So I make one, one more rest day after my squat, and then I go into a session. But sometimes um, my body is still that stressed from, from the squats, which is something that I only experienced once I got into kind of a heavier squatting. Um, my body reacts on stress with holding water and I'm just a little bit more heavy. So when I come into the pulling session, I have to weigh myself and check, okay, Nick, uh, on, on your squatting day, you had like, I don't know, 99 kg. And now you're on 101. That's like two kg more, but you have to consider that when you put, put your weight on, When you do your pulling work because maybe last week you weren't that fatigued from your squats because it may be an intro week or whatever yeah um you were just just uh, at 99 as usual in your pulling session and but this week you're just 2 kg heavier when you are 2 kg heavier that's the progress you had You can use the same amount of weight like last week, but you moved more weight than last week because you are 2 kg heavier. And that's something um, we have to keep in mind at that uh, place because um, it plays such a bigger role now. <laughs> yeah, and we definitely shouldn't underestimate the effect it has on one's head. So if a person goes into the session and doesn't realize that the body weight has been increased and because of that, the person has to reduce or maybe maintain the weight, that people don't react all too well to that because people always want progression and adding more and more weight because you don't know that your body weight increased and it has an effect on your performance. You can then just yeah, become demotivated, um, fall down, and um, maybe even bring to soon conclusions in the sense that I'm too fatigued, I need to go into the, into a deload, or I don't know what, 
and then yeah, you just can't get the most out of your training. So you definitely want to consider the right way too. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We already talked about the volume thing that uh, you train less days now. What would you say? Do you do you train the same amount of volume now? Looking back into what where you, where you started, is it the same amount? Well, um, that has changed over time because we found what works for me, and just as we noted, uh, for the upper body it's a bit more volume, for the lower body it's a bit less. So it's kind of a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. um, I think that before I had much more volume in general um, because I also trained more days. Um, two more days definitely brings a much bigger opportunity to have more volume. Right now, because we just have four days, it's more on the lower end. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. On, the, on the given day, yes. Um, but I think. Here, here comes the point that we had in the beginning again. The total amount of weight that you move right now is a lot higher than, than you had in, in the beginning. So usually it can be that the, the um, volume amount that we have right now is a little less. And um, this depends a little bit from where you are right now as Rado is right now in a in a um, in a hypertrophy phase, we're building up volume right now because we are directly after a competition, and the next competition is going to be in the beginning of summer next year or something. Probably, we, we don't know because the date is not set yet. But um, the, the the plans are like that, I think. So um, right now we are building up more volume and having not so high loads but we've got to keep in mind that high loads right now for you are much higher than before i mean you're squatting right now for reps what you had a year before for uh, on a one rep max so that's a big difference so i think what was the last stop you squatted 170 Something like that, 170 on a high bar for five or six reps, something like that. Yeah, 170 for paused set of five, I think. Yeah, the high bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that that that's the total amount of weight is so different to to uh, what we had before. So we definitely don't have that much assistance exercises anymore, and we have to choose. The assistance exercises very very wisely now because the less you do on ex assistance exercises the better you have to choose the ones that really let you profit from that so that's i think that that's that's uh, that's the the last part of the podcast that we have to uh, bring in here the more advanced you get the more aware of what you're doing you have to be in the end. And that's something I, I love about at you, especially you as an athlete, that you are very aware of yourself when going into training, when about considering all the 
the different details that we have um, that you always are very objective about your, your stuff. And that's, that's, I think, the most important skill that you can learn when you are um, and, 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 and turning from a beginner into an advanced athlete, that you get more objective with your whole training and uh, really, really make, make smarter decisions on that stuff. That's it. The, the more you develop as an athlete, I think that the more you need to consider different factors, you need to use as much variables as you can and control them and use them as tools to progress. So the more you can control, the more you will definitely get out of your training. That's for sure. Absolutely. Do you have any more um, stuff that you want to talk about in that case? There's, there's plenty. So I, I see that a lot of people um, don't really, for example, keep track of their sleep. And sleep can have definite, definitely an effect on one's performance. And if your performance is shitty on one day um, and you don't know that your sleep was also not so good, then you might draw false conclusions. And because you didn't control that variable, you can yeah, just um, give it to something else that isn't really connected to that. Um, and yeah, you can't really bring smart decisions into your training. So if you control every variable that you can control, you will be able to draw connections, draw conclusions, and later on in the future, just bring smarter decisions, that's for sure. Absolutely. So for you, uh, I think the, the, the message you want to bring there is take care of um, more of the, all the details that may have an effect on, on the stuff that you do before you make decisions about stuff. Yes. I think that, that's a very important one because um, I think you're talking out of experience as On, on the path that you ha had during the past one and a half years, I think, I think that that's one of the, the things you, you learned really, really well to really bring in, okay, this detail may happen, the effect, why some things worked out that way in a positive and in a negative way. Of course, that's, that's completely normal. And um, I think the most important part right here is to um, have in mind life happens. And it's not about controlling everything, but it's more about being aware of what effects the things can have and why things happen then. Because sometimes you do have some stressful times with some things in family or whatever it is, and this may have an effect on your training And that's okay if you know about it. It shouldn't be an excuse, but you should be aware of it. I think that's, that's a very important one because some people uh, tend to, to get control freaks when it comes to that stuff. And um, when you look at how detailed um, Rado is, is doing his stuff and talking about all that stuff and and having an objective um, view on himself. For some people, it might be someone who's very 
boom, he knows everything, he's so in control, he must be a control freak. It's not like that. It's being aware and just know stuff. And um, I think that's that's a very important one that um, you learn as an athlete to be an aware athlete, not a control freak. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. That was that was such a good conversation. Do you have any last words for, for, for the for the listeners? Is there something that you really want to give them? Well, I think that well, we went through um, yeah, the most important stuff. I think that we definitely have a lot more material to work with, and I'm sure it will come in the future. So uh, definitely stay tuned for future episodes, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If someone wants to contact you and have some questions, where where uh, can people contact you? Yeah, I'm only active on Instagram, so you can find me um, in the name of Rado underscore Bosits. And if you have questions, just shoot me a DM. And yeah, I'll be keen to respond. Perfect. All right. Thank you for being here, and I'm really looking forward to to future episodes. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and for all the listeners, enjoy your day, train hard, and train smart.